Welcome to the Swedish Innovation Podcast, where we export Swedish unicorns. No buzzwords, just real life stories with Sweden's most innovative thinkers and doers. A podcast made by me, Sandra Bourbon, and me, Sara Hermansson. In this episode, I will have the honor to interview Shuri Sand, a true inspiring person who is really one of the super entrepreneurs in Sweden. She came to Sweden with two small kids and didn't know the language and felt that she had to start all over. And today is one of our few very cool super entrepreneurs we have here in Sweden. It's truly inspiring to see how someone that didn't have the language, any contacts for family and friends, or had a fancy business degree from a cool university, still could build up such a large healthcare group as Avicina. Unfortunately, the recording sound quality wasn't the best this time, but since we had had such an inspirational talk, I really wanted to share what she had to say, so I hope you don't miss out. Here we go. Hi Shuri and welcome to Swedish Innovation Podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. I'm very good today and I'm very happy to join this program today with you. Thank you. And I'm excited. I mean, we met a few years ago and I remember during that lunch when you told this whole story, I got very inspired and a bit blown away. So I'm happy that we get to share this with our listeners today. So I really want to jump in directly. I mean, who on who you are and where you came from. What What I remember is that you were a very driven young lady in Iran. You you got your university degree very young, am I right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I can start to 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 say something about my background. I'm uh, uh, I'm coming originally from Iran. I came to Sweden in uh, 1987. And, uh, and that was 25 years ago with your children and my husband, <laughs> just starting a new life uh, in this beautiful country. Uh, and it seems I have uh, always uh, very hurry to that, that adult <laughs> life. I took my uh, students when I was 15 and I was uh, ready um, or finished my, my university. Uh, when I was 19 and uh, and always curious about uh, what's the new what's happening in the world and uh, and uh, think uh, a little bit differently about about uh, the people board everything around me that maybe that was the reason I couldn't live in Iran when when the revolution revolution came and uh, I just felt uh, I'm not so free to think I'm not too free to do the things I want and it's not a space for for any innovation any voice and that was the starting for the new life in Sweden. And uh, and uh, uh, a few years after I came to Sweden, it was a start for my uh, career as a 
as a midwife at the start, but uh, even starting my company in 2000. Yeah, and it sounds pretty brave to just leave everything you have behind and your children were pretty small at that time, right? You had two small children. And when you came to Sweden, how was it? Did you had to start all over or what What was your first uh, few, year, few years in Sweden like when you came? Yeah, it's starting with that, the first impression on Sweden was a very calm and safe company, uh, safe uh, country. And, uh, and of course, when uh, we came to Sweden overnight, you are actually nobody, you cannot the language, you don't know anything about this new country. It's a tough life. And uh, we had to learn to navigate it. Uh, correctly, my my uh, um, uh, education it wasn't worth so much. So I started to to study again to university for the same education. But it was good. It was good for my language. It was good to know the culture. It was good to knew the people and coming in in the society. Uh, but the old family has a tough few years in the beginning, and uh, but uh, we lived in this country for giving the opportunity, but it was tough to to find the the right way as well. So mm. the few five years we came we came to Sweden at eighty seven. I was finished with my Swedish study. 88, and I started my university studies uh, at um, uh, 88 and finished with my uh, my education, 91, and just jumping in the job and working. Yeah, and then you choose to study uh, a degree as a midwife, is if I remember correctly. What did you study as in Sweden? Was it the same as you did in Iran? No, I I, I was the I was the nurse in Iran, but I took my bachelor at nursing in in Linköping and my, uh, my master in midwifery in Gothenburg. So. Um, so it was insane. It was completely different uh, education, and uh, yeah. So. Mm. And then when you start working as a midwife, I remember you pretty quickly came into that the the midwife healthcare offer needed to be a bit more diverse uh, than mm. what Sweden was offering and. I mean, if you go back to, to the 90s in Sweden, we didn't really have any private options in the healthcare. We only had public healthcare and it was pretty strict and regulated. But if I remember correctly, you, you changed that a bit. Can you tell us what, what happened? Yeah, in the first, I was very impressed uh, of the healthcare system in, in, in um, Sweden. That everyone has the access to 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 the healthcare and uh, and the healthcare systems were very equal for everyone. But the problem was that system gave any space for 
the diversity and the patient uh, had any chance to choose uh, the clinic or the midwife or the doctor. It was a system, it was uh, 98%, I think, of all healthcare market was uh, was uh, public. And uh, it was the same regulation for everyone and nobody actually saw the patient, saw the individual people, the individual needs. Uh, and that was uh, very strange for me. And my intention and my goal was to create something to give uh, that individual people, every people choice, a choice and an opportunity to choose the doctor, midwife, or that places they they feel very safe with the uh, with the system, and that was very very hard to find. Uh, and even um, put all the research together and give the 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 healthcare that the patient didn't need to go to two or three or four doctors or the midwives for. For, for one problem, uh, uh, and uh, these people or this woman or family could find everything in its uh, one and the same clinic. So that was the idea I had, and I, I discussed it with uh, our politician at that time, and I'm talking about 1998, and it was a very, very, very unique. Nobody talk about the this diverse question it was the it was very strange what you mean you want another option in the city for the woman what you mean we are good we, are, we did it all the time it works it works for everyone no but it's not working it's not efficient it's not it's cost so much and uh, it takes time for the people to find and the right place for the uh, right needs. So it was a little bit hard, but in the end, uh, they they accepted to give me the opportunity, not give me, but it will come up some some contract, and uh, it was so much uh, people who want actually this type of contract, uh, and I want it. And I started my first clinic in September 2000. And in the first three years, I worked uh, as a midwife. And I learned so much about the system, about how the people thinking, how they wanted to be the trade, and how individual needs has to... Um, but you have to think about every people, not uh, build a system. Uh, but after three years, during this time, I saw uh, even the opportunity in in uh, another type of that specialist uh, um, area that I saw the same problem. I still saw the same problem. It's like it take a time for the patient to come into the special doctor or uh, to the diagnostic for just simple things. 
and uh, somebody just something just reset all this. Nobody look at the old picture, and everyone just look at the small area that they, they were responsible for. But I want to give the resp- all the responsibility to one and same clinic to see over this individual people's need and have all information and can help them with everything. And it uh, came to start for a bigger vision. But that vision was not to just growing and turn over or to take the market. It was to do something useful for the people to achieve the the less benefits for for the for the people who need our healthcare services. And we were in the charge, we had the power to do that. And so my vision was to change, not change, but challenge maybe a, a very tired um, public system to think um, about the, the challenging we have in the society, the global innovation. We couldn't just stay there and uh, work as we always did. The change, the, the world was changed, the people was changed, the need was changed, and they couldn't mm. see the changes. And uh, that became to start for Avicenna Group, and uh, this company grows from one clinic with one million crowns in, in turnover to 500 million with 1,400 employees. And uh, five companies in the specialist care, like uh, gynecology, neurology, day surgery, um, air retail, um, earring care, you just name it. And we won the uh, Swedish, the most bigger contract. And and this changed the system. And uh, I was very very active to to have a dialogue with the government, with the with the public system, and actually after four or five years, uh, we had the success to to achieve a reform in in um, healthcare Swedish healthcare system. They allowed the people to choose that clinic, that hospital, the doctor, they want and they need. And it was big. It was a big reform and we need it. And we mm. need it. So, uh, so I'm very happy for that. <laughs> I think yeah, I think you should fun. be super proud because it, I mean, one thing is, as you said, you went from a small midwife clinic, you working as a midwife, a little turnover, and then a few years later, you were, I mean, 1,400 employees and had 500 million second turnover. That's a crazy amount of growth you did with the healthcare company. And I'm also thinking that you probably also changed the view we have on healthcare. I mean, we had the view that it should be public, and me as an 
individual and as a patient, I need to jump around to the different specialists and try to get help. It wasn't very patient or, or individually based in healthcare, right? You had to jump. And I think you probably made a cultural change also that today it feels like the the healthcare in Sweden is a much more about trying to, to see the patient rather than that the patient needs to jump around and and the doctor is in the center or the, the medical staff is in the center. So uh, I think that's very cool how you did that shift. But I have yeah. to ask and go into how did you do with this whole business and entrepreneurship? Because when I think of a midwife, when I met many, you know, during my pregnancy and giving birth, I love them. They're so heartwarming and they're, what they do is very cool. I think uh, the midwife, um, uh, how to say, the midwife profession earns a specific respect. I mean, we've been giving birth for all our time as humans, but it's still such a special thing. However, I see them very far away from business and entrepreneurship. <laughs> and I just have a hard time trying to combine it in my head. And you're so much of both. How did you come up Something with that? Is wrong did here. You <laughs> Something is not wrong. Something is just very right. unique, I think. Um, I don't know, but uh, are we talking about the entrepreneur and entrepreneurship? And I think uh, it's about the person you are and what you want from your life and uh, and how your view is uh, from the world, from everything that's ha- which happening around you. It's not about to be midwife or, the, or coming out from a very famous business school. I always thinking about the difference between intelligence and intellect and uh, the most people um, coming out with all respect uh, from the you know big famous um, university or very high level um, society class they 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 think this is the most important things to have so much knowledge but I think it's very important to use that maybe not so much um, formal knowledge. You can, you have to be able with that knowledge, your unique view of the things, put all things together, and sorry, and and do something, something of this. Uh, intelligence, knowledge, and and uh, and the opportunity the world giving you. So I think I've never been just midwife. I think my goal from the beginning was to to change a try system, to to change the attitude that the company just can build off the people who's coming out from the business school. The company can just build from the people who knows the people. And, uh, but I saw something that the people just, just turned around. They, they thought this is, this is not about to build a company. When you build something, you have to change the attitude. You have to change the culture. 
And I think the hardest things I did through all years to change the attitude to the market, to us as a woman, as an entrepreneur, as a someone who's coming outside and see the weakness and the things with the system that nobody wants to see or see it. And, uh, and this is uh, something that some people have to able to challenge, challenge a system that is at work. It's mm. old, it's not useful, it's not built for the people. So that hasn't anything to where which school you you will got uh, which type of friends you have which access to knowledge you have you have to be able to use that knowledge in the reality and find the concrete market you have to know what the vision and what is a hallucination and uh, at and uh, and were ready to work very hard for that not to work in the company but even were able to to meet the all um negative attitude because people is afraid about the changes people is very comfortable with the things they know People is very comfortable with the people they know. And somebody like me coming, nobody knew who I was. Nobody knows what I was able to. And it was a good thing because they didn't saw me. I did miss that I take the, the business in the front of the the eye. <laughs> So they didn't expect you to to do anything. To, yeah. No, and because uh, in their eyes I was a midwife, I was a woman, I came from the Iran. I was good, yes, but not uh, as good they was. But I was really good. I knew what I did, yeah. and and they missed it. And this is the wanting uh, the. Most people missing to misunderstanding an entrepreneur mm. because the vision for the uh, an entrepreneur is not just make a, a big uh, turnover or big company. The vision and the most strongest um, reason for us to do something is to change and help. The people, the vision is more bigger than to just make money and get the money coming. Because when you build a company with the culture, when you build a company with concrete business plan, when you when you know what you do and you are good in that you do, it's not it's not the chance to fail it. That's so. That's so cool. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and, and people trust you because you do the things you like it. You mm. know them. You, you know what they do. You are a leader that was there with them. You started that they are now. So you know exactly what's happening in the every lead of the company. And you understand that. And you have a simple language with them. They understand that what you're saying. The people always following the leader that they can relate it to. And yeah, I, I can see that. Was very, I think it was a very, very important factor of our success that the people could relate it to me. And I used a very simple but very strong language and very, very clear with our goal, uh, what we want. And we had the big responsibility because the government trusts us and to give us so much big contract. It was a no chance, no option to fail it. We had to do that. And one important thing was that I try to put the good, competent people with good personality who was ready to work hard for our vision. And how do you and find work. those people within healthcare? Because, I mean, if you look at the healthcare sector in Sweden, it's been public for a very, very long time, as long as we would know. And, I mean, that nurtures maybe a specific kind of leadership that isn't very entrepreneurial and innovative. And then you come and build a private company and get contracts from the government. And you it sounds like you wanted to build a culture that was more diverse and innovative. How did you find those people to build this vision with? I appreciated that um, uh, that the the people who came to me actually I I always um, used to say that it's I came uh, from outside I saw the weakness I had an idea I had experience from my country I had experience from everything I did before. And I learned so much things in Sweden, so I saw the both sides. And I knew it is many, many people outside. They are competent. They have able to do the innovative uh, job. And uh, and I think something. I and my employees share that was we had to prove it that we can and we have to have success. I have a diversity of the people, more than 65% at 2004. And it wasn't just they came from the another country or, or from another background. It was a clear goal for the company that you need the right competence, and they had it. I saw that. I knew it. I trust them, and they trust us. And when they came to us, it was not just about the job, 
it was about to do something to change the attitude, even about this group of employees. It sounds like you were ahead of your time. That I mean, today people talk a lot about how diversity can be good for the company and the business and making companies more innovative. But we need to think that this was about 20 years ago. Did people yeah. see it as something uh, good or what was the perception from from the outside when you had such a big uh, diversity within your company uh, with people from other countries? Yeah, but the question is, when you're talking about the diversity, it's not about uh, ethnicity. It's not about religion. It's not about to be woman or man. It's it's about to have a acceptance and to accept it, this diversity with the people and to respect that. That's why when you have this view, you don't you don't think about uh, the gender, the nationality, the region. You cannot say that all oh, diversity is very good, but how a person, how an owner to want a bigger company, really, really, as a person, has a, have a view, an idea about diversity. What is the diversity for us? What is diversity? Is that to have 50% women in the charge? Is that we need 20% people with the another ethnic background? Is that correct? Or you are a leader, you see the old people the same, they have something to give and they are able to do that. And we build a company to do something useful for everyone. And in this company is the space, this is the place for everyone who can help us. But I think it doesn't help to give uh, some prizes because, uh, you know, the diversity prizes because some big boss um, um, giving work to 400 or 300 um, people who are coming out. So it's not a good prices because it ha- should be very natural. The people who is able and they have a competence and they want to work, they have it. It's, it's for sure. For sure they have to 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 take the job. It's not anything you give them. We need them. Sweden is going to have a lot, a lot uh, more the competence that they have now. We have in global uh, challenges everywhere, and we don't have enough competence. And I saw that at 2004, 2004. It's not possible. It's not possible to to take so much contract and they didn't have enough competence and dedicate people, not Swedish people, not the people from the uh, another ethnic background, competent and dedicated people who want to work hard. Mm. They were my soldiers. They were my heroes. Mm. That's a nice view on uh, your employees to see them as soldiers and heroes. And it sounds like, I mean, uh, you had the right view on it also. You see it as a 
thing to be able to grow your company, to have the competence, to look for competence in all types of forms, <laughs> rather than yeah. being a bit narrow on how you look at it. And as you say, I, I really like your parallel to this diversity prices that makes it a bit uh, strange. It's like you're doing, how to call it, charity, yes, because you try to hire people from the other gender yeah. or with another ethnical background. And it shouldn't be about charity. It should be about the survival of your company or making your company more uh, able to, to grow and to fulfill the vision. So I think you had the right uh, mindset from the beginning that people today still don't understand and, and see. They haven't really got that uh, how to say, into their head why diversity could help their company. Well, Shuri, yeah. we need to also go into, because I know you did an exit from the Avicina Group and started working with investments as well. And today you're the founder and chairman or chairwoman of Avicina Investment Group. And you also told me that you have started this type of foundation. Can you tell me more about what is that? Uh, if one is starting with investments company, you sold uh, the Avicina. Um, 2015, and uh, we started an investment company to help the younger startups uh, company uh, for more uh, maybe digital innovation that we we believe very strongly that we're going to 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 need in the future, and even. Um, we have um, another ideas about the market exchange again, and we need um, another type of uh, company investing or whatever it is. So that's actually it's not so complicated. The, the, the big problem is that now I'm an investor looking at the business case <laughs> other eyes. <laughs> so, so, and, uh, and, uh, and actually sometimes it's fun, but sometimes it's very difficult. But, uh, but I put, uh, for, for me, it's very important and not, I'm not so impressed of so much, uh, so much um, words and ideas. Uh, I look at the concrete. Uh, of the uh, idea, uh, do you have any concrete market? Uh, do we have any concrete uh, customers? Uh, and uh, can you scale up uh, this idea? And, uh, and the more important things, which people I'm uh, investing with them, they want to work hard, they believe in that, they have a right attitude. And then we open up uh, not just uh, our uh, economic resources, uh, even our network. And uh, and we want to be the part of uh, this uh, company to help them with our knowledge and everything we can. So that's the one part of uh, what we're doing now. And my son is now the CEO for, for this company, Daniel. And um, all the, the teams is back from another single time. And we're working now very hard with this part of our activity. Then I feel we need some, uh, or I thought we need some uh, social innovation. And... Uh, I think it's my duty uh, to pay back 
and uh, and help the young people with a clear goal for the life um, to help them with my uh, uh, network, with my uh, economic research, uh, guiding them. Uh, and that's why we started the ZAM Foundation uh, to help the young people. There's two types of help we want to give the people. Uh, the young people who have a clearly um, goal for their life and they need us and our knowledge and our money to achieve their goal. And the other way is a lot of young people who hasn't any contact uh, and they don't know anyone and sometimes uh, yeah that's the big problem and we can find them help them and give them the opportunity like uh, uh, this country and many people gave us this opportunity to come in, in, in the society mm. and uh, and I want to work for that uh, and I hope um, that I and my family can help um, other people to achieve the success. Mm. I definitely think you can, because I think there are many people today who are, as you were in this situation. I mean, 30 years ago, you didn't, you were not born in Sweden into a rich entrepreneurial family, had the big network, or you didn't have a lot maybe of contacts from from a business school or something like that, and. I think it's easy to think then that you can't start a company or you can't work with entrepreneurship because you don't have the network. But then this sounds like a way to to get help with that through your yeah, foundation but that you have, started. But even we we want that they are clear uh, with the idea and they and they decided to to work hard for the better future. And I think uh, this is the responsibility as well. So, uh, so um, you have rights. You have rights. This type of uh, this type of group in Sweden needs more help. Sweden is a small country. Everyone knows everyone. And uh, now, and even I think I believe that we have some platform today that the people listen to us, and we have uh, the right network. And the people give us trust, and uh, uh, that we are able to do the more thing for other people. I want to do that, and I hope really I can do that, and my family can do that in the future as well. Mm. I really think you you can. And uh, I will, let's. I mean, you work with the foundation. You also written a book that you released recently called the Den Udda Fogen, the Odd Bird in English. And I think that book is probably filled with a lot of advice and inspiration. But if you get to pick one uh, tip or advice to our listeners when it comes to innovation and startups, what what would you tell them? Yeah. (laughs) I think most of these entrepreneurs, they know what they have to do to achieve success. But one thing I think is important to 
Never forget what you do, that you do for. I don't know if I can explain myself. Um, but it, it's very hard. In this book, I, I, I just tell about my journey and what all the things that happened and how I could uh, handle everything. But to the startup, I, that they, they are going to be their own bears. That's it. Because you thinking differently, you want the differently things. And, and the majority of people is followers, but you are not. You want to go your own way. And it is the hard way. And you have to do deal with you that your choice is the right choice and it's worth to pay the price for that. You are not strange person. You are just a person who finds your goal in your life and go for it. Go for it. And Thanks. that's my I think that's my my advice. That Yeah. I think that deserves to be on a wall of quotes. I really like that how you said many people are followers and you're odd and you're not. You you have your own vision and you should follow that and not how to say fall for the group pressure and trying to be like everybody else. I really think that's a true yeah, thing to remind yourself. You yeah, if you're thinking big and look at the people who did something for the world, the really crazy people, nobody believe on them. It is just these people with a special personality who could change something. And I think you have to be very proud of that you belong to that group who find the way, who want the answer, and working hard and ready to pay a price for that. You change the things, not the followers. Cool. Thanks a lot, Shuri. That was very good, I think. <laughs> I will at least carry that with me. And I think, yeah. especially maybe when you're younger and you're trying to look for who you are and your identity, it's so easy to, to fall in and trying to be like everybody else, to fit in. But I think this is really inspiring to to nurture the uniqueness you have in yourself instead. Definitely. Yeah, mm. yeah but, but you are young, you want it. And it's very human. You want to be the part of a group. And it's happened to me. But I have to take the power from everything. And thinking, what is I want? And that's a very big question. And I think this, the, the entrepreneur they choose a way in that way is good for them. And you have to be just proud of that. That's it. Very good. If someone wants to to find out more about you, I guess one way is to, to read your book. Uh, can you get in contact with you in any way? They can find you on LinkedIn? Yeah, email or... address. LinkedIn, yeah? I'm in the LinkedIn. And even my email address. 
but I uh, even uh, want thank you uh, for this uh, interview and ask the people if they think it's something in this I'm saying is worth to try, please do it and help the other people to be inspired. That sounds good. Yeah, I'm very happy to get to to spread some of your wisdom. Uh, also be, be outside the borders of Sweden, I hope. And uh, I think definitely if you want to know more about Shuri, you should check out the book and get in touch with her if you want to to get to know more about their foundation and Avicina group. Uh, so thanks a lot for joining the podcast, Shuri. It was really nice. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you like what we're doing, remember to subscribe. And if you really like our podcast, don't forget to give us a five-star rating. Remember, innovation is what makes the impossible possible, and it will all start with you.